Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians, one of whom has been reviewing new cars for over 25 years. That's me, Steve Schutz, and the other of whom is a trauma surgeon with extensive experience taking care of car crash victims and also doing research on car crashes. That's my partner, Stefan Moran. Discuss car topics of the day from a perspective you won't find anywhere else. Welcome to Cars on Call. I am Steve Schutz, and I'm here along with my co-host, Stefan Moran. Stefan, uh, great to see you. How, how's it going? Great here in Alabama. Summer's coming along. Ready to get the boat in the water. Life's good. Fantastic. Hey, I read some news that uh, makes me psyched. And we, we jumped all over, uh, last time we were together, we jumped all over Toyota for only importing 6,500 units of the gr corolla we're totally psyched about that car 6500 units i mean give me a break that's not enough well they gave enthusiasts some good news this week they announced that the 2023 toyota supra will be offered with a manual transmission that's pretty exciting i mean you know we thought the manual transmission was dead we talked about it but here you go toyota's gonna put a manual in and there clearly is a niche population of automotive enthusiasts that will probably buy that car because it is a manual. Otherwise, yeah. they say, I don't know why I don't want that. That's just super. It's, just, you know, it's not, it's cool, but not that cool. But hey, wait a minute. It's got a manual. Yeah. Let me take a second look. I think yeah, it's a great idea. I totally agree. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are excited about this. You know, when the super came out, Stefan, there, there were two criticisms. The first one was, hey, there's a lot of BMW here. There's a BM, BMW engines. It was only one engine at the beginning. Now there's two, four-cylinder and a, and a three-liter uh, inline six. But the engines and transmissions were BMW. There's a lot of BMW uh, hardware, You know the inter user interface, that kind of stuff. It's built in, in Austria. It's It just was like way too much BMW. And the second criticism was, why is there no manual? Well, at least they fixed the, the second criticism. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I've seen some Supers. You know, if I was to get a Super, there's only one color that, in my mind, the Super looks good in. Black. It just looks lethal, stealthy, a little bit nasty. And I would only get a Super in black. I think in black, it just, the the form and the styling of the car fits that color. And uh I like it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a kind of a nasty thing. I've seen a couple of red ones, and I like it in red. I don't personally like red cars, but yeah, the black looks looks good. Yep, that's exciting. Hey, um, Stefan, uh, Audi and Porsche joining F1. That's big news. That just happened. What's the scoop there? Yeah, Steve, I mean, how exciting is that to see Porsche and Audi come back into the fold of Formula One. I mean, Formula One is on a roll. This is like, for Americans, this is like NASCAR during the Bush presidency era. Formula One is on a global roll. And really, you know, we have to we have to give credit to the, you know, the Beverly Wives TV show. Um, <laughs> the Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to give credit to it. I mean, come on. You know, housewives. But it's, you know, in Miami this weekend, uh, I know this will be a little bit later um, published, but with Miami this weekend, 
Formula One is just knocking it out of the park, and I'm super excited. So I'm not happy. You know, you know me. I do not like Red Bull and those whiny ass bitches. From the driver to the owner, I, but Porsche is going to go with Red Bull. I'm excited that Audi is going to go with McLaren. I like Lando Norris, and I like Daniel Ricciardo. So I am excited to see them back in the fold. I think it's going to bring further escalate the excitement about Formula One. It's a, it's a fabulous thing. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, th- these are rumors of Volkswagen, the parent company of both Audi and Porsche, has not specifically said officially that that's going to happen. It probably will. For the record, uh, Audi uh, never was in in Formula One, but they they certainly did very well in in Le Mans and sports car racing, plus rallying in the 80s. So uh, it does make sense for Audi to go into the, the top-level motorsports. Uh, Porsche going to, uh, to Red Bull. The reason I find that interesting, Stefan, is Red Bull was left without an engine supplier. Uh, I don't know what year they lose that, but uh, maybe after... Oh, Honda uh, left last year. So they basically took over the Honda technology. Yeah, but they, they, they don't have... Yeah. Right, but they don't have a manufacturer. So, right, so it, it makes sense for Porsche to come in and kind of take that on. You know, they'll be holding on to internal combustion engine technology for longer than probably any other manufacturer. So I think it's I think it's fantastic. And and the fact that Porsche is gonna to join as you uh kind of were alluding to, Stefan, the deserving champion team <laughs> Red Bull oh, with their no, with no, their no, gentlemen. No. Oh my god. <laughs> the, the great oh, Baxter staff and, and the uh, team principal, oh. the best team principal, Christian Horner. Oh, oh, no. All right, so all right, here's what's next. Okay, here's what's next. The Spice Girls are going to start doing commercials for Porsche. Okay. <laughs> well, if they're if they're going to start doing that, Miami is probably a good place. It's it's uh, Formula One That's, plus bikinis. Oh my God, for the Miami is out of control. It's just I can't wait to watch uh, practice tonight and the rest of the weekend. It's they have hit an absolute home run in Miami. They have exploited every opportunity with famous people, golf, and this and that. And, but hey, you know what? They're doing it right. Um, it's, they're giving it's people be the, what they want. It's going to be the Monaco Grand Prix with tramp stamps. <laughs> yeah. and, and Felicity Ace in the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a pole somewhere. There's some dancers. <laughs> You know, when we started talking, I'm like, I'm really bummed out that we're not going to be able to say Felicity Ace. It it will live forever. It It will live forever. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Always find a place to bring it in. Oh, my God. I hope, you know, it's obviously the bottom of the ocean. I hope when they replace it, it's replaced with the Felicity Ace 2. Because then we can talk about it. The Tiffany Ace. The Tiffany Tiffany Ace. It, it seems like the the car transport world loses something if you don't have a stripper name on a boat. <laughs> yeah. That's oh great. Well, anyway, the Miami Grand Prix, right. it's going to be exciting. One big party if you're a driver, one big party if you're a sponsor. I, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. I can't wait to see it. And even with the fake harbor and the boats. <laughs> so for listeners, you know, they wanted to invoke a little bit of European Monaco. So they basically recreated fake water like you would in a video game and have boats parked up on uh, stilts and 
created a fake harbor with fake boats and you can actually rent the boat and sit in the back of the boat to watch the race. But hey, come on. That is America at its best. That's so American. Yeah. And and my sense, uh, I don't know this for sure, Stefan, but my sense is the harbor is not the only thing that's going to be fake in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> you think there's going to be some aftermarket parts? So. Some, uh, <laughs> yeah. some, yeah. some full bikinis. Full bikini. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. All exactly. Right. Uh, mm. Moving on well, to uh, to car spotting. Stuff do we have on. to move on? I mean, this uh, is this is just too much. All right. Anyway. All right. What's next? Car spotting. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I watch uh, the, the Miami Grand Prix, I think like you, I will be looking for tramp stamps. <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> that won't be the only thing I'll be looking for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez! I can't wait. So, uh, so car spotting, Stefan. Um, this is this is fun because we we brought up the uh, the Felicity Ace. Well, I'm bringing up the Forerunner because I actually Dude, spotted I, I spotted a first generation Forerunner, like a 1985 86 Forerunner. It, it was awesome. Okay, so. You have like permanently damaged my brain because all I freaking see are effing runners. And coming out of the gas station yesterday were two brand new white forerunners with black rims back to back at the same light. I actually took a picture. I'll put it on the website. But here's the other thing about, you know, my brain now immediately sees every forerunner. They all have freaking hood scoops. Okay. And they're fake. The only, they all have hood scoops. Why does an F runner and a Tacoma need a hood scoop? It is it's, a it's, styling it's element. Well, the only ones that are real are on the Hiluxes that have the diesels. They actually are functional. I looked it up. But you know, we talked about one of our previous podcasts that we don't like fake this and fake that. And, right. And I still hate the runner, forerunner. I hate it. Well, uh, maybe some of the the uh, bikini people in Miami will be driving the forerunners with the fake head scoop on the fake oh, harbor. Yeah. Yes, on the fake harbor with a lot of other fake stuff. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, the forerunner now is you know a bona fide family vehicle. It's it's got nice seats. It's very uh, I don't know, just sophisticated almost. It's obviously it's not sophisticated, but but it's pretty nice. You sit in it's a it's a fairly modern car to sit in. Well, you look at the other one, Stefan. It basically was a, a Toyota Hilux pickup with a very—I don't know what the word is—cheap top. It was oh, only yeah. two door, and it had these very cheap rear seats. They were almost like something you'd see at the beach or in a fraternity house. Uh, the seats were very cheap, and uh, it was, the thing was just thrown together. Again, just two doors. You had to climb into the back, and this was uh, a very you know early gen Toyota pickup truck that just was there's nothing sophisticated about it they went forever i guess that's why i, I just saw one yeah they're la they're laughing all the way to the bank i mean you know every middle eastern terrorist is driving around the back of a hilux which is basically a forerunner you know with a gun in the back and they're all over the third world they run forever i mean 300 400 miles they're they're they are amazing utilitarian vehicles which have been gussied up but underneath it is a stock bone body on frame truck and you know axles but um yeah it's hey. amazing yeah the only thing that takes these things off the road is is not the engine it's not the transmission it's not the frame it, well maybe it is a frame it's rust and yes. back in the 70s and 80s uh, uh japan just could not get good steel 
um, and they didn't have, for whatever reason, the ability to uh, rust-proof their vehicles, and that's what took a lot of these old cars down. You know, the old B210s or or Honda Civics from from the 70s. Uh, you don't see them around nearly as much as you should because, despite the fact that the engine and transmissions are fine, uh, they rusted out. So, uh, and it's the same for the early early forerunners. Boy, it's been a while since I saw first gen the, the two door. I can't recall. I mean, is that the one that's like sliding windows on the back too? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You, you almost have to look twice to make sure it's not a, a pickup with like a, with a cab. A cap. Yeah. yeah a cap. So a cap. Um, yeah, it's it just was it's very interesting, but it sure grew into a uh, a phenomenon. It is. All right. So and forever. I hope, I hope our listeners aren't like. For me, it's like a broken record. It, all I see on the road is like my brain now. Just my eyes go to every forerunner on the road and just drives me insane. Yeah, so that was my <laughs> Thank you for story. that, Steve. Yeah, you. you're welcome. Thank you for that. I really <laughs> I wonder, appreciate it. What are friends for us, Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, what else you got for today? What are we going to talk about? That's, that was it for my car spotting. But okay. um, there is a topic that needs to be talked about. And we've talked about some topics in the show, Stefan, that people are not talking about. Well, I want to talk about something people are talking about a lot, and that is the new Ford Bronco. It's cool. It's happening. Uh, they're finally producing them. Uh, it's got a great history. There have been delays in the new one. And uh, I, I just want to get to that. To me, the Ford Bronco is something that it is very interesting, and I, you know, I, I want to get to it. I did think of something kind of funny before we get into the new one. When I look back at the old one, we all remember the old one. There was the original one that was, you know, I would say it was, you call it the small one. And that was produced uh, 1965 to 1977. And that would be the OG Bronco. And then uh, there was the big one. And that was 1978 to 1996. And I'm going to coin a phrase here. If the small one was the OG Bronco, uh, the big one was the OJ Bronco. <laughs> OJ Bronco, yeah. Some of our younger listeners may, I think everybody knows about OJ and the Bronco, yeah. OJ and the White Bronco. Yes. Yeah. yeah a, a piece of uh, this is trivia. Uh, OJ did not own that Bronco, it was, it was uh, owned by Hertz and he was sponsored by Hertz. They were one of his. Uh, he did endorsements for them and that Hertz was owned by, or I'm sorry, the, the Bronco was owned by a Hertz. A lot of people don't know that. I'm a huge Ford guy. I love Ford. I owned a Jeep back in uh, my dad bought a 79 CJ seven. I drove through college and then, but I love Ford and yeah, the Bronco is an amazing vehicle. Me from the standpoint that you got a six year old guy like me, you got my dad who's 88. I got my kids who are late 20s. Everybody loves the styling of the Bronco. It is a cross-generational hit. Now you mean the new one? The new one. Yep, the new one. The new Bronco. It just they just yeah. young kids to old people absolutely love the styling. And because I think for for our generation, there's enough remnants of the original Bronco to hit that nostalgia. Whereas the younger generation who don't know the original Bronco, to them, it is totally fresh, cool, and badass. So yeah. they just, they nailed it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, it is easy, as you know, Stefan, to screw it up. 
It's easy yeah. to, to try to get this look right. Kind of like the Ford work. Thunderbird redo. Yeah. Talk about a screw up. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. I think it's a, it's a, actually a great analogy. I thought it looked good when it came out and basically they took a, a, a Thunderbird look, they updated it. I mean, the original Thunderbird updated it and put it on a Ford. It was the, the Mustang uh, chassis and it just didn't work. I drove it and it work. drove terrible. It just it was yeah. like, ugh. Uh, I don't know if it was the weight or the flexiness or whatever. And and for the Bronco, they got it exactly right. I think it looks right. I think what they did, which was smart and pretty simple, is they ba- it's basically a love child between the OG Bronco, the the original one from the from the late sixties, early seventies, and they it was a love child between that and Jeep Wrangler. It looks a lot has a lot of styling clues from the old Bronco, and yet. The size is almost identical to the current Wrangler. Two-door, four-door, it doesn't matter. They benchmark that size. Wrangler has been killing it. Lots of sales. So, And that is a size that kind of works well. And it's that, you know, basically it's that medium-sized SUV that's all over the place. You know? Yeah. I think, you know, Stefan, I give Ford a lot of credit for recognizing that the Wrangler is such a hit. I mean, you know, you talk about... Uh, young, old, middle-aged people being excited about the Bronco. They're also excited about a Wrangler. You know, you see uh, like cheerleaders that are 18-year-olds in, in high school or, eight, or high school kids driving around, and you see old people driving it and everything in between. It's a very popular vehicle. And Ford said, yeah, we can get a piece of this. And, of course, they're doing it. By the way, Stefan, where's the Chevy Blazer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, once once again – General Motors, to me, is always a step behind. They've been playing catch-up for a long time, and they haven't been market leaders. Um, you know, Outside of maybe the Corvette and some of the super cool Cadillacs, but those are so, such small niche vehicles. When's the last time that Chevy came out with a segment leader? Hard to say. I just... I can't remember maybe the Tahoe and and of course the Suburban Tahoe Escalade. But mean, they've been around give, forever. That's you know, that, that's the yeah. segment they've owned for a long time. It's not the reinvention or the renovation of a segment. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. They're, as far as something new where they came out and really nailed something, um, I can't can't remember. Yeah. Maybe so what they remember Corvette's what they good, tried but, to do? But, yeah. They would they would bring something over from Australia. They'd rebadge a Holden bring it to America, the G8 and this and that. And because, but they can, it seems to me, they just have never been innovators in bringing out some kind of a s- ideal segment vehicle, like, you know, Bronco, for example. Well, they had, a, yeah, they had an opportunity to, to bring a blazer out. They have a blazer, but it's like this midsize crossover. They couldn't be more boring, but the, you know, the, the Bronco boy, they got the size, right. It's as good off road. Uh, as a Wrangler, I'm sure some people will argue about that, but realistically, unless you're going, you know, way off road and some crazy thing like, where do they climb those rocks? They got a Jeep thing every Easter. Um, oh yeah, I'll think they, of they, it. They put it's the name outside of it. Yeah, it's, but, it's the Rubicon Trail, but it's it's yes, the big, that's it, the Rubicon. Yeah, it's 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 a big. I'll, I'll think of it. It's in Utah, and so anyway, it doesn't matter. They benchmarked the the Wrangler, but they also made it different, not just in look. They've got engine choices, which I really appreciate. There's a 2.3 liter four-cylinder EcoBoost. There's a 2.7 liter. One has 300, one has 330 horsepower. Obviously, a lot more torque in the six-cylinder. 
Uh, there's a 400 horsepower one coming in the Raptor, seven speed manual if you wanted, only the, the four cylinder, but that's okay. 10 speeds automatic. But I think they did a really good job. There's a lot of different configurations, you know, Sasquatch, Wild Track, Outer Banks. They got a new one. It's this Everglades with a snorkel. I mean, Stefan, who, who's not going to find something they like? I mean, I went online and looked at it, and just like you went over, it starts with the base, the Black Diamond, the Outer Banks, the Badlands, the Wild Track, the Everglades, the Raptor, my favorite, the Sasquatch Sasquatch. <laughs> but I started looking at the option list, and it's like buying a Porsche. They have the option list is insane, but what you can go through. But what they did was they did bring a lot of the options to certain packages. So you should be able to buy a package at a discount over optioning every single thing. But yeah, and then the Bronco, I looked at the Bronco Raptor, 68,500 with the Haas 4.0 suspension with Fox live valve, 3.1 internal bypass semi-active dampers and 37-inch wheels. And it is 9.8 inches wider than a stock Bronco. That thing is... Yeah. Badass. A, I mean, and a partridge in a pear tree. Pear tree. It's all, it's all there. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all there. You know what's funny, Stefan, is the base price of a Bronco is thirty-two thousand three hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. Nobody is going to buy a base Bronco, and even no. if you wanted one, I'm sure Ford wouldn't make one because they can make the the more expensive ones. But honestly, they learned this from Jeep. Jeep had Wranglers, and they didn't have that many options. And the the dealers said to them, "Hey." When people buy a Jeep, they leave the dealership and they go to some off-roads, you know, some four by four store, and they they get you know the the snorkel and the winch and the the whatever that protective thing is, so you roll over it doesn't crush the roof, and all those things. That's what happens. And, and the Jeep dealer said we could be selling those to customers because they're buying them anyway. And I think Jeep learned that lesson, and so did Ford. Yes, Steve. Exactly. I mean, so with the Everglades package that you mentioned, this is the very first time ever that a manufacturer has tied up with Warren. Warren is the WARN is the number one winch company. So now you get a factory installed Warren winch package. That's the very first time ever. I mean, kudos to Ford for that. They they understand the aftermarket. They clearly did their research on what the consumer wants and the names of the packages. Yeah. I mean, they're they're selling these things things as fast as they can build them. Now, you know, so I so I had to look through the colors and um, the, oh, a by couple the way, of the before you get there, Stefan. Yeah. If they're going to make those winches, I hope they also provide a sticker that says Jeep Wrangler Retrieval Device because <laughs> they always those winches always have something like that. On a Land Cruiser, it says Land Rover Retrieval Device. And vice versa. It is funny. So maybe they have that too. But yeah, the colors. I, I love these colors. Talk about that. So my favorite is paint area 51. Um, yes, I heard about area that. 51. That's my it's a cool kind of grayish color. And then the other one is hot pepper red. I just those are my two favorite color choices for a Bronco. They got really cool colors. By the way, uh, I think they got the inspiration. Don't laugh and don't don't yell, but they got that inspiration from Toyota and the Forerunner. <laughs> the Forerunner <laughs> has really cool colors and they're yeah, like earth tones. They're kind of these uh, almost matte blue, matte uh, like a khaki, khaki, and the yeah. same thing with green. And I think Bronco and and 
to a lesser extent, Jeep, they look at that and they said, hey, we need colors like that. The Everglades yeah, one is really cool. Yeah, I like it. I think the snorkel is just stupid, but another home run from Ford. Great idea. And it'll be interesting to see how their sales after like a, when they were fully up to market production, where they're rolling them off the assembly line as fast as they can All to right. see where they end up, see what final market share they end up with. Will be yeah, very interesting. Let me, let me address that because okay. that is the elephant in the room. They started taking deposits in July of 2020. And they did not get vehicles to the dealers until last summer. They have had a very slow ramp up. I'll say this. On the one hand, yeah, it's a home run. It's fantastic. I love it. It's great. On the other hand, how can it be a home run if they can't build them? And they really haven't. I'll, I'll go through some of the, the, the sales numbers. And initially, they had problems with the roofs. The supplier that made the roofs, uh, they, had, they had all kinds of trouble. So again, it's really frustrating uh, if you're taking deposits and people still having their cars uh, almost two years later because they started taking the deposits. And yeah, my buddy's still waiting on his Rivian. Okay, <laughs> okay, but okay. I've got a yeah, uh, I've got a friend who put a deposit down early. I don't know if it was July 2020, but it was sometime in 2020, and he still hasn't gotten his vehicle. They they just told him, hey, it's probably in a couple months, but even that's not certain. So you know, you're waiting over a year. And that's being generous for one of these. And that's frustrating. That's why, you know, you go on some of the car auction sites, people who get them are flipping them and they're flipping them for a lot of money. Uh, just to, to, to give you some sales numbers, 2021 for the entire year, they sold 35,023 Broncos. That's for the entire year. Now, again, they started delivering in the summer. So I guess give me a little bit of a break. Uh, in the fourth quarter, they sold 24,819 I think this is interesting, Stefan, because again, we're talking about Ford ramping up production. Okay, we got a slow start, but now we're in the game. It's fine. Q4 2021, they sold 24,819. Q1 2022, they sold 23,573. That's less. That's, that's not a that's, ramp up. That's absolutely. That's yeah. Yeah. It's down slightly. And then when you compare the Wrangler, the Wrangler in Q1 2022 sold 45,551. So almost doubled the number of Broncos. And then if you add the Gladiator, which is essentially the same thing with the truck bed, 17,000. So, you know, for whatever reason, despite the fact they say, hey, we were on this and we're fixing it, they are not ramping up the way they should. They should have made 50,000 Broncos in Q1 this year. That's interesting. I didn't know those numbers. Yeah, they, they need to crank it up. They're too worried about getting the lightning on. They got so many new products coming online and then maybe perhaps regain a little bit of focus and get things out on time. Yeah. I, you know, for the record, I did drive uh, a Bronco. I, I had one to test probably, I don't know, five months ago or something. And it was the, uh, the manual four cylinder. It was the outer banks, which is kind of a lower to mid vehicle. I really like the interior. Uh, it's got kind of this, you know, all the, the buttons and knobs are are kind of tough and and waterproof and hefty, and uh, they look cool. And then just the the exterior design, um, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier, Stefan. It's easy to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna update this old classic vehicle and we're gonna bring it into the modern age and make it you know just like a Jeep Wrangler as far as going off road. It's hard to make it work. It looks good from every angle. It's a good looking vehicle. 
Yeah, I've seen them on the road, and I, I like the sport as well. But the, to me, the the full size, well, not full size, but the the regular Bronco, it looks, it does look great from every, and it catches my eye every time I see one. It yeah. just, yeah. it's got a very appealing, a little bit slab side, but it looks great. Ford, you, you did it right. You you made a really good vehicle. Now you need to actually manufacture them. So that's yes. that's our our exhortation. So. All right, let's move on. And and Stefan, let's hear what you got for safety. And uh, yeah. Before that, Steve, yeah. I shed a tear this week. Why? Did you? It was all over the news. <laughs> Robert, Robert Guarini, G-U-A-R-N-I of Boca Raton, Florida. Spent $704,000. Oh, yeah, I did see that. I didn't know the guy's name. Oh, that And he sucked. bought a... 2006 heritage edition gt so for you listeners that is the second iteration of the ford gt the original was back in 65 so this is the ford gt that came out and the heritage edition is in my favorite colors golf racing yeah so it's an homage to the the gt40 le mans winner yes and a buddy of mine has a gt and he's got red with white stripes he let me drive it it is an analog beast. It, there's no, there's no electronic nanny controls in this thing. It's a beast of a car to drive. But so that, so he bought one. Yeah, but there's no way someone's going to buy a heritage edition and crash it. Oh no! <laughs> and how about crashing in your own neighborhood? Okay, was this in his pump. neighborhood? I didn't in know. In his that. neighborhood, didn't even get out of the neighborhood. I heard it's because he didn't know how to drive a manual. He told the cops, "quote unquote." I was unfamiliar with how to drive a stick shift, unquote. And how much did he pay? $704,000. $704,000 for a car. And then he went on to say, well, I was shifting from first to second. The road was muddy, blah, 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 blah. Excuses after excuses. The dude just freaking crashed his car in his neighborhood. <laughs> he didn't even get out of the neighborhood. And oh, by the way, <laughs> to make it even better car wasn't insured oh i didn't oh i didn't know that he had an umbrella policy and you know what the car wasn't registered oh shit <laughs> and oh by the way his driving license had or was already suspended so here's a dude with a suspended driver's license spent seven hundred four thousand dollars on a car that he can't drive and crashes in his neighborhood uninsured i mean i guess yellow baby covid yellow <laughs> I, I'm stunned. Uh, I didn't know all those deets. Uh, I can't believe it. By the way, if I spend $700,000 on a car, which I can't afford to do, but if I did, I would not drive it if there was mud on the streets or even rain. Oh, no, absolutely not. And this is a car. Actually, the Ford GT is a fair weather car that you have to be. It's kind of like driving a Cobra. It is pure analog experience, way overpowered. It is a beast of a car to drive that is very unforgiving as you approach the limit. But and you, he found you have to drive it with respect, and that's yes. something you know. I know we, you know, uh, Jeff Bank and I talked about that with the original Viper. Uh, you have all this torque, all this power, and none of the electronic controls. You better be respectful, and if you're not, you know, this happens. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's, that's yeah. such a sad story. Yeah, I, sh a it's, it's, I shed a tear. Car. I was like, the picture just, oh my God. I mean, anyway, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about safety. Um, and we'll just, you know, segue from the Bronco. Let's kind of talk about Jeeps and SUVs. 
So the Bronco actually has a good rating from the Insurance Institute Highway Safety, IIHS. And the only reason it missed as a top safety pick was because of its headlights and head restraints. About a year or two ago, I think IIHS. I missed that. I'm sorry. Headlights and what? Head restraints. Head restraints. Got it. So what happened was the IIHS changed their um, headlight stratification as to what's good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to call it. So some manufacturers are having to play kind of catch up cars that are designed prior to the changes by IIHS, you know, and everybody now is trying to make these really cool looking headlights. So you have to admit that we in America are hampered by NHTSA on our lights. There are some amazing technology and lights in Europe that actually create like a zone. So the driver coming opposite you, he doesn't really see your lights because they kind of gray them out in that band, but we, we can't get that in America and hopefully that will happen. So there is a lot of technology and headlights that we're lacking. Fortunately, we're not getting the French yellow headlights of years past, you know. but the Bronco Sport, the smaller version is a um, top safety pick. A couple other cool things about the Bronco is it does have standard vehicle to vehicle and pedestrian crash protection. Let me the just G- interrupt uh, very quickly, Stefan. I uh, uh, reviewed the Bronco Sport I don't know, probably a year ago. And uh, it was just around, I guess it was like July-ish, just around when Broncos were starting to arrive. And I cannot tell you, it's kind of embarrassing to me as a car guy. I cannot tell you how many people thought that what I was driving was a Bronco. They're like, oh, it's a new Bronco. And I'd say, oh, it's a Bronco Sport. They're like, what? I'm like, no, it's it's basically an escape with a different body. But a lot of people mistook it for the Bronco. It hit the it hit the market first, and you know they're selling a lot of those as well. Yep. In the Jeep Wrangler, vehicle to vehicle is optional, and they do not offer pedestrian uh, safety technology, which is kind of disappointing from a big company like that. They need to do that. So you know, I think you know, since we're talking about Jeeps and we're talking about the Bronco, I think you know, you and I grew up in the '70s when Jeep really had its a really big resurgence with the CJ five and the CJ seven. And I know I have a story about a Jeep CJ seven and I'll tell my story. And I imagine Steve, that you probably have one as well. I do. But when I was in high school, you know, the coolest vehicle you could have would, was a Jeep CJ. And they, they offered the CJ five and CJ seven. So the seven was a longer wheelbase that had about 12 inches behind the rear seat. The five, the tailgate actually was up against the rear seat and you could actually get an eight cylinder in the five or the seven. We talked my dad into buying a Jeep CJ seven and I drove that my senior high school. And then when my parents moved to France, I drove that through college. Well, there were several times that I got that Jeep CJ seven up on two wheels. And the classic was you're stopped at an intersection and you got to make a left-hand turn or right-hand turn into oncoming traffic. You kind of got to get on it. So you'd get on it, and that Jeep came up on two wheels several times. So it was an absolutely frightening experience. We had a fraternity party, a pre-rush party, and we decided to have it at one of our one of the fraternity brothers' lake houses. But we said, you know, we're going to go to this lake house. We're going to ski all day, do our fraternity rush party, but there will be absolutely zero alcohol. And it was a good decision. Coming home, I had three of my fraternity brothers in there. 
one of them took their seatbelt off coming home, which I told everybody, leave your seatbelt on. I came around a corner on a back road and they had been logging. So as I came around the corner, I hit mud and gravel at about 60 miles an hour. The Jeep immediately spun, went in the ditch, and we flipped end over end through the ditch. Mm. One of the guys was ejected. He had a, a bad hand fracture and a compression fracture. The other guy in the back seat uh, hit his arm on the roll bar. He had a compound fracture of the arm. The guy in the front seat actually woke up, grabbed the sissy bar, which we called it, the little bar across the front um, glove box, but his nose came across and smashed his nose across it. When we landed upside down, the roll bar on the initial CJ looked like a functional roll bar, but it really wasn't. And the roll bar actually collapsed onto both rear tires, blew out both rear tires. And three of us had compression fractures from that. Mm. So Ouch. they actually, they repaired the Jeep, but look, I went back and looked at statistics. The Jeep was 70% likelier to flip over than any other utility vehicle at the time. If you take a Jeep backwards and it's called a J-turn, so you're in reverse and then you kind of th throw the steering wheel to the right or the left to swing it back to go in front ways, it's called a J-turn. The Jeep will roll at 22 miles an hour if you do that. Jeep had the CJ and then they changed the vehicle to the new, eventually the Wrangler, but they had $2 billion in liability claims when they stopped manufacturing the CJ. This was under the Reagan era. There was very little NHTSA regulation. All that NHTSA required that Jeep do is put a sticker on the dash saying that it will perform differently than conventional cars on pavement. You know, so that's, that's my story on the Jeep. Great vehicle, but they were just flat out dangerous on the road. Yeah, I actually do have a story, Stefan, and it's tragic. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a medical family. So uh, my mom was a physician and she had a friend, she was OBGYN and she had another friend who was OBGYN and that friend's son was friends with my uh, younger brother. And uh, this kid was kind of a wild child and it was sometime in the eighties, he would have been, you know, freshman, sophomore in high school. And he was out late at night. It was probably two in the morning and he went around a corner. It's a corner I knew well growing up. I knew you just do not go around that corner fast. And he was in a CJ5, which was uh, his personal vehicle. And he went around too fast and he rolled and uh, was killed. Two in the morning, it's before cell phones and not a lot of traffic. The next car that came along stopped to help. It was actually uh, an obstetrician who was on call coming back from the hospital. He recognized the vehicle because it was his partner's son's car and he, he knew the car. So he knew it was his kid's car. He got out, ran over and realized he was dead again before cell phones. So he got back in his car once he had uh, pronounced this uh, very unfortunate young man dead and drove to his partner's house and knocked on the door to the warning and had to inform him. Uh, just an awful thing. Just uh, the combination, as you know, Stefan, the combination of alcohol and any vehicle is deadly, but it's especially so in a CJ7 or CJ5. Yeah, so that's a very sad story, Steve-O. And, um, you know, it's like for those of us that are military, you know, you never want to see an officer knock on your door. You know, you never want to see a police officer knock on your door. Because it's never it's, good it's, news. It's never good news. And to see your partner, it's just a terrible story. But 
you know, that it's a story that people don't understand. And, you know, your kid wants one of these, don't get it for him. And it's probably worth saying that, that, uh, boy, there's been a lot of progress. I know you kind of alluded to this in the safety uh, rating for the new Bronco. Things are a lot better now, much better. Yeah, but for the Jeep, it ain't so great yet. Um, so the new Jeep rollover, IIHS does a test where it's 40 miles an hour, and it's called a small overlap funnel test. So it's kind of like where you clip the front left corner of another vehicle or a post or a concrete barrier. And you can see this online. You can, you can Google it. When the Jeep does it, the Jeep rolls over up on its side. Wow. And so it got a marginal rating for that. But from my standpoint, you know, so anytime a vehicle rolls up on its side, what that's very concerning for is passenger partial ejection or limb loss. So that means like your arm goes out the window, it's a soft top or your head partially goes out. Now that's on the pavement. So I saw plenty of that type of injury and we call that a partial ejection. And it's, it's really an ugly injury. So that to me is very concerning that Jeep saw has not solved that issue. Whereas the Bronco did not have that issue. So that led me to look up and kind of look at a review of what about the NHTSA does a rollover test. Europeans do one as well. So the risk of rollover, what do you think? You know, so I thought the number one vehicle was going to be the Jeep Wrangler in terms of risk of rollover, but it's not. It's actually beat out by 2.7%. And what vehicle do you think that might be, Steve-O? You'll never guess, a, but I'm going to. I'm going to say full-size FU, like a SUV, like a, like a Tahoe or something like that. How about the Nissan NV3500 passenger van, which is actually classified as an SUV. So it's more like a, it's like that, it's like a gigantic um, like a utility sprinter. van. Sprinter, like yeah. Like a sprinter van. That's yeah. the number one Rusker rollover. I, I didn't, I didn't know. Although when you discussed the, uh, the, the sprinter transit van safety, you did make a point of saying yes. they have a high center of gravity. Uh, yep, exactly. And then number two is a Jeep Wrangler. And then number three, our favorite vehicle, <laughs> the forerunner, and <laughs> runner. What else? What else? And then here's what's interesting. So for listeners, uh, number four and five are both the Ram and 2500 and the F250. And what that has to do with is the big, heavy steel body. Their suspension is elevated with bigger tires, whereas the F150 has an aluminum body. The 250 is still steel. So the higher up the vehicle, the heavier it is. And then after that is a Jeep Renegade, followed by the Yukon, the Tahoe, the Escalade, and the Chevy Colorado. So it was interesting rollover. So kind of the moral of the story is my dad bought a CJ back in the day. I wouldn't get a Wrangler for a kid these days. I just wouldn't do it. You know, if they have to have the SUV thing, go with the Bronco Sport, maybe the Bronco, but the Wrangler is at risk for rollover. And we know that kids are more likely to crash than adults. So. Hey, Stefan, I never thought to ask you this before. Did you ever see an injury in your practice from a very common uh, phenomenon, which is, I was going to say teenagers, but it can be someone from any age. They have a Jeep. And of course, you can do the same thing with the Bronco. You remove the front seat and you have your foot outside as you drive. You ever see someone like with a any kind of foot or leg injury related to resting the foot outside of the vehicle? Yeah, the most classic one is they, they become one-armed bandit. We see that multiple times, the people hanging their arms out of 
an open window and then they crash and then the arm doesn't do well. The, what you classically see in the Jeep type vehicle where they take the doors off and they do roll up on the side is if they're fortunate enough, they just get, they get awful road rash and road rash is what we describe as basically dragging your skin across the asphalt. You remember as a kid falling off your bike with your knee, you get this dark black kind of tattooed scar and they get horrible road rash if they're fortunate. And I've seen worse than that. I don't want to gross people out, but yes, it is not a good thing to be struck from the side without a door. You have no protection or to roll up on your side and then scrape across the pavement with nothing protecting you. It's, it's not a good thing. So if you're, you know, if you're going to take the doors off your vehicle, don't be tooling around all over town on the interstate. It's just, You've, you have really removed a lot of protection from you in the road in another vehicle. Yeah. All right. But Hey, I did it. <laughs> I survived. Well, yeah. yeah but, different uh, times, different times, different times. Yeah, absolutely. And you learned too. So, all right, we're going to wrap it up. But before we say goodbye, uh, Stefan, I got a listener question. I thought was very interesting. So I want to kind of run it by you. Okay. And that question is, uh, it certainly got me thinking. And it said, which car from your past would you most like to own? And they said, they added, not necessarily something you owned yourself, like you want it again, just something you're connected to from your past. I'll let you go first. Okay. So we went to France when I was 13. And we went to visit my cousins up in the north of France in Lille, which is next to the Belgian border. And I was 13 at the time. My brother was 12. And my you know, in France, whether you're first, second, third, or fourth cousin, it's all the same. You're just, you're a cousin. You're immediately family. And Gonzague was his name. And Gonzague was probably 19 or 21 at the time. And he had a dishavo. And we, all of us, I don't know how many people we piled into that dishavo. And he took us out for a cruise in his dishavo. And I just, it was an absolute blast. And he actually ended up driving that Dishavo all the way through Morocco and Northern Africa. And for me, I've always loved the Dishavo, but I never got to ride in the Citroen SM. I did ride in Maserati Quattro Porto growing up. But for me to have a Dishavo, a kind of a beater Dishavo that I could just have a blast and pile people in because it's, that to me would be a car from the past that I would find just everyday enjoyment driving. How about I, you, Steve? I, I love that. By the way, just imagine your garage to find you've got this old beater Dershavo with no power next to this beautiful new Cobra with tons of power. <laughs> what a dichotomy. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open for a Dershavo. I really, I will probably own a Dershavo. The SM. I'd like to own a Citroen SM, but the hydraulics and kind of the maintenance nightmare and, but a Dishavo, I can, I can fix a Dishavo. Yeah. I can do that. It's as simple as they come. As simple as they come. Absolutely. How about you, Steve-O? Yeah. For me, it's interesting. I told the story several episodes ago. No, the BMW? No, going to day camp. Oh, yes, yes. uh, The counselor picked us up. She was super cute, probably 16, 17, and she had a GTO with a manual. And that's what I want. Uh, the, the GTO or the, the driver? Uh, <laughs> you gonna, which one are you going to trade up, dude? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got enough uh, problems in my life. I don't need, I don't need that. 
but um <laughs> that's funny she was cute though anyway um yeah it would be it would be that gto and it was interesting cool. because it was you know i kind of like the smaller muscle cars you know my favorite yeah. muscle car is yeah. the 1970s the late 60s yeah late yeah. 60s early 70s yep they 1970 were the right size. plymouth uh cuda is my favorite muscle car but boy you know the the gtos before they downsized it so the last year the big gto was 1967 a car from my past that i would want that i've never owned uh, that a 1967 coupe not a not a convertible four speed and uh i think it's a beautiful car it would take me back to uh to day camp yeah that's the one that's cool yeah that's a, that was a great question i know i love it yeah love keep it, it coming listeners that that's i mean that's something we can all when you think about a question like that it takes you back into your memories and just makes you feel good makes you feel happy and puts a smile on your face yeah, childhood memories are good. Childhood car memories are even better. So, all right. Well, listen. We'll all right, wrap it up. Yeah, thank you for for listening, uh, Stefan. I'll let you tell them to like and subscribe or whatever, whatever you say. Hey, like, subscribe. Check out our website. Hit yes, like, whatever. Thumbs up, no thumbs down, and uh, leave some comments. And um, check out the website as well. What and is the website? Questions. Carsoncallpodcast.com. What is it again? Cards on call podcast.com. <laughs> I put all a lot right. of work into it. Somebody please look at it. Yeah. All right. You got it. Goodbye.